0: You found the Diggin Oak Island Podcast, a podcaster's journey to discover the truth behind the Oak Island mystery. I'm Dave McBride. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. If you've been listening to our little podcast and enjoying it, please help us out by becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash Island to learn more. First, let me welcome our new patrons for this week, Jason and Sean. Thank you both so, so much for your generosity. Your support is incredibly appreciated by myself and also really very humbling for me, you know, to all of you who have become patrons. Um, Come and join us, guys, during the U.S. broadcast of each new episode of The Curse of Oak Island for a live little discussion over there on the Patreon. It's always fun. So let's get started with my favorite part of the show, your emails and messages, and we have quite a few to get to this week. So let's get started right away here. First one comes from Rob in Texas, who writes, Howdy, Dave. Uh, Regarding the closing of the archaeological effort near the swamp, I'd invite you to consider another practical consideration from the point of view of the fellowship. While I agree that Marty hasn't come across well in the edits, there was something that stood out to me in the last two episodes. Marty said that, Two episodes ago, something along the lines of, we've been playing by the rules, and the more we comply, the more of our land we lose. Then this past week, Marty said something like, until we know what the government is going to do and require of us, then we are going to shut things down. This set off alarms in my head as I am an attorney who works with government agencies and government regulations would not be uncommon for a state or provincial agency to struggle with the regulations which might apply to unusual circumstances. Oak Island seems fairly unusual. To me, Marty sounds as though he's trying to adapt to an uncertain situation and a lack of clear guidelines is frustrating their plans. You mentioned that there appears to be different views on Other historical areas, like the Ball Foundation, wouldn't surprise me if the discovery of First Nations items would be treated differently from a cultural and heritage policy standpoint than colonial artifacts. Additionally, Marty's statement didn't sound like an absolute and permanent abandonment of the swamp work. Rather, if they get clear guidance from the governor on what will be expected of them, then archaeological work near the swamp would resume. I could be wrong, but for my two cents, this might be an answer to some of the questions left over from the episode. Uh, sincerely, Rob from Texas. Rob, thank you so, so much for your email. Uh, you could be right. You could very much be right. Uh, it, but here's the thing. It's the responsibility of the show and its producers, of which the Laginas are one or two or three of the producers, right? Laginas, I think Craig Tester is as well. It's their responsibility to portray an accurate picture for us, the viewers, especially in something that considers, you know, especially when you're talking about a show that considers itself a reality show or a documentary television. It's not my job as a podcaster or even as just a fan or a viewer to look for excuses or to try to read between the lines and what the Laginas or what Marty wants or is saying or what reasons he's saying. Yes, of course, First Nation finds could be very different from the others. And sure, the government might not have decided exactly what they want yet, but so what, (laughs) right? If that takes time, then it takes time. I don't have any sympathy for that, honestly. Uh, If history is the true goal here, then no one should be more understanding of the need to slow down and do it right than Rick Lagina, who claims on nearly every episode that he cares most about the story and this and the history of what happened on Oak Island. Does that make sense? We're going to talk about this quite a bit here. I'm going to repeat myself. Great email, Rob. Thank you. That's the first salvo from a group of you who are... Uh Coming at me a little bit here with my uh, take on the Laginas, which, by the way, you mentioned something in here about work being done on the swamp and government regulations. There's going to be uh, quite quite a mention of that coming up in the episode here. Okay, let's go now to Rich, who says, yeah, I'm done with this show. I can't see myself stomaching watching more episodes. This episode hammered home literally that it is a quote unquote scary thought to Marty Lagina that they would find more artifacts of archaeological value. I think this narration piece sums it up. Quote, while the new regulations do not apply to the money pit area, they do require the team to seek special permission to conduct any archaeological work or large digging operations across the rest of the island. But even more concerning is that they strictly prohibit further investigation of the stone pathway. End quote. Even more concerning, it has become more and more clear that the Laginas believe that their money allows them to treat anything as their own playground. I would advise anyone who values culture over cash to boycott this show going forward. Okay, thank you, Rich. Honestly, uh, I don't have much to add here with this. Um, you've expressed this feeling before, and uh, you're, you've are you expressed it here very, very cl- clearly, for sure. And I can also tell you, Rich, uh, you're not the only one who was literally turned off by this decision. Um, I guess all I can say is I just hope you don't boycott this podcast. <laughs> Thank you again. Thank you very much for your honesty, and uh, thank you very much for uh, for writing in. I mean, I, I think that uh, that point of view is just as important as the rest. Let's go now to uh, Jeff, who writes, Hey, Dave, as I watch the latest episode, um, The Root Cause, this was last week's episode, not the one we have just saw a couple of days ago, uh, I could already hear you criticizing the Laginas. <laughs> Jeff. Anyway, he continued. As we saw in the past several episodes, the show was setting up tensions between the Laginas and the archaeologists. I do wonder if this is some gamesmanship by the Laginas. Let's not forget that Marty and Craig are successful multi-millionaire businessmen. They know a thing or two about negotiating. The first thing I thought, throwing the archaeologists off the island is a negotiating tactic. The Laginas want something from the Department of Communities, Culture, and Tourism and Heritage. As you mentioned in the last podcast, there is certainly more to the drama. Maybe you can use some of your contacts and dig and sources to dig into it would be interesting to some of us. Let me stop the, here, Jeff. Uh, believe me, I've tried. But so far, uh, I've run into a wall called the Non-Disclosure Agreements. Right. Nobody wants to take a chance to really talk about anything that we haven't seen yet. So uh, I, I think it's I, I've got I've got some good feels on stuff, but that's the best I can tell you. Anyway, Jeff continues. On the show, they refer to the government as community culture and heritage. I went to the website for that department and uh cch.novascotia.ca and it's actually communities culture tourism and heritage. Emphasis on the tourism. I would do wonder why. Uh, I would do wonder how much money Oak Island tourism generates for the local economy. Maybe that's part of the strategy the Laginas are employing as leverage. Shutting down archaeological exploration, insight, and access to the island makes it less a less interesting place. Tourists like to go to interesting places. Side note: Rick's demeanor seems to have taken a one eighty. He used to be the quote the real treasure is the story" guy, and now he says it's a treasure hunt. What? Maybe it's, the way, uh, maybe it's the way the producers cut the show using a selective soundbite from Rick, but certainly seems out of character. I suspect the archaeologists will be back on the island at some point. Would be a nice resolution to the arc of the story. If the issues with CCH aren't ironed out and the archaeologists aren't brought back, the team better start pulling up some real artifacts and treasure from the money pit area. The historical and archaeological part of the story was the most interesting aspect of the show pulling up pieces of wood from a drill or gary finding ox shoes isn't exciting any of us love the podcast keep them coming jeff well thank you so much jeff great email there um there is a sizable group of fans on social media your email reminds me of this um who think that the show is playing up this whole angle of the cch shutting them down and because they're clearly exaggerating it which we'll get to later um that they're 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 playing this whole angle up as sort of their way out, right? Either they're way out of another season with no fines after spending the first couple of episodes really, really getting us excited about this is the year, right, and all that. Uh, either trying to get out of that season with a, a reason for the no fines, blaming it on the government, or more the more extreme people think that this is their way out of the whole series. And this is how the series will end. I mean, it has been nine seasons after this year. How much longer can it possibly go? Can't be too much longer, I wouldn't think. Um, So they think that this is their way out to just sort of blame the end of this on the government. There might be treasure. you know. The idea is to say there might be treasure, but the government won't let the Fellowship find it. That kind of thing. All I can tell you is that for Laird Niven... This was a stressful and difficult year, right? You needn't look any further than a Facebook post he wrote earlier this month where he wrote, quote, this year has been a challenge to say the least. One thing I do know is that I couldn't have made it through without all the people I worked with this year. Thank you to one and all. And it was alongside a picture of the end of the causeway looking across the causeway at Oak Island. So to me, the tensions seem very real. And knowing Laird, as little as I do, but a, a little bit, I think, uh, he's not one to exaggerate. And he's certainly not one to play up some sort of story arc on the show. Because he's really one of the, the only regular that you see that is not all in. His chips aren't all in here. He's there because this is his job. He's not there because he's trying to find treasure. I think that's a really big difference, right? And I would imagine we haven't seen the last of this tension. You know, I mean, I think this week makes that pretty clear to some degree. A great email, Jeff. Thank you so much. Let's go now to Hank, who writes, Hi, Dave. Thanks for the time and effort you put forth into your podcast. I have a comment based on your statements on solving the mystery versus purely treasure hunting. With all due respect, the decision they made to stop is Project Management 101. If I had to write a project charter for the Oak Island project, basically a statement of project objectives, scope, justifications, risk, etc., defining the parameters in which they operate, I'd state that the scope is to uncover the mystery of the Oak Island depositors, including where they came from, why they chose Oak Island, what they left there, etc., with evidence obtained so far pointing towards European origins. First Nations artifacts, while certainly a reasonable find given the area and history, are most likely not part of the Oak Island mystery as we know it based on the evidence obtained thus far. So to continue to go further into the archaeology of the First Nations activity in the swamp is a major scope change and not a part of the Oak Island project remit. I agree it's a worthy effort, but being in project management myself, I have turned down so many worthy efforts in the past for the exact same reasons." In fact, I would be fired from my job if I were to add a, such a huge scope change to any of my projects without following proper avenues. You could argue that the Laginas have such authority, but the producers, networks, sponsors, etc., to report to, I'm not certain they do. If a new project is justified and a priority to to those involved, then they, then it will find a way to get approved and funded. Just wanted to share with you another perspective. Thanks and Merry Christmas, Hank. Hank, if I'm following what you're saying, I believe your point is that they're justified in not following a lead that points towards First Nations, since that isn't the mystery they're trying to solve. If that's the case, right, if all they want to do is find a solve the mystery of European treasure depositors and nothing else, then you're right. You're correct. But if they really want to know the origin of the mystery, in quotes, right, regarding the swamp, shouldn't they follow every lead? Isn't that what they're here for? If they determine that the weird stuff in the swamp is not, is in fact not related to the treasure and not related to the money pit and not related to Europeans or Francis Bacon or the Knights Templar or whoever, well, what's wrong with that information? Isn't that part of what we're doing here? doesn't that give them something to cross off the list? Doesn't that mean they focus on places other than the swamp in the future, which they have invested years and years and millions and millions of dollars into, and they're not the only one or the first one? I don't know, Hank, I, I see your point. And, uh, if they could turn that area over to someone else to fund the archaeological dig, then that's just fine with me, you know? But to just throw your hands up and send everyone home and then tell us that this is a treasure hunt... And they've been saying darn near the opposite for years and years and years. I, I just don't know, Heck, maybe, maybe we just need to see how this plays out a little bit, you know? Uh, I think that they're either looking for the mystery or they're looking for treasure. And I think that those two things aren't the same. We hope they are the same, but we don't know that yet. And there's no evidence to tell us that. And when you say things like... Um, the evidence obtained so far points towards European origin. I, I think I'd have to, um, I have to say, I don't agree that wholeheartedly with that just yet. I, I think you're right. I'm agreeing to that, but the possibility exists that it also leads to other places. Certainly, the mysteries surrounding the swamp lead to other places. Right. We all want to believe there's a ship in there. I'm sure, I'm sure we do. We want to want to believe that there's a door entering some treasure chamber. We all do. But that might not be it. And there's not a lot of evidence right now to say that it is. But we need to follow, I think, we need to follow every avenue to find out what it is because we've uncovered enough crazy stuff to at least consider that moving forward. All right. Let's go over to Facebook. or staying with this topic here. To Dave, who writes, It seems strange that the First Nation folks demand a shutdown of work until they can inspect the site, but so far haven't shown up. If it is so important, why can't they take the time to come out? Do they have so much pressing business that they are just swamped? And besides, a few pieces of pottery don't mean a lot in and of themselves. Anyone could have dropped them, maybe just passing through. There's no sign of a settlement. And if the work is stopped, there may never be. A bit of cooperation would have been beneficial to all parties, but I lay a lot of the blame on the authorities who demand a work stoppage without the follow-up that should have happened. Maybe we just didn't see it. Anyway, Dave, take it easy on the seemingly few of us who see the Lagina side of it. Dave, I, I believe, God, I, I wish I can go back and watch it again, and I, I wish I thought of this, but I didn't until just now. I believe there was a mention that they came to the island. I think Laird mentioned that in one of his war room meetings, and I, and I think Rick called it like a good conversation and was very positive about it. You know, I'm, I mean, this is just not something the show offers any insight into what has happened so far and i don't expect them to so there isn't much for me to say um but like i said i think they mentioned it and then they still go on with this shocking and uh, you know uh terrible regulation and this very negative thing about what the regulations really are and they don't really clarify them in any way in fact they shroud them in mystery and they're going to shroud them even more mystery in this show uh, in this episode here it's just a lot of confusion and 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 a lot of it comes in and it's not up to me to cut through the confusion and it's not up to the to the listen, the, the readers or though I'm sure, sorry the viewers to cut through the confusion what they are presenting to us is this is a negative thing this is an unwanted thing and this is an unknown thing and that's all we can work on is what they're presenting to us you know i can't really do the rest and when you say something like pottery doesn't mean a lot. Anyone could have dropped it there. Well, I mean, Dave, yes, that's true. But anybody could have dropped the medieval cross there as well. It doesn't mean the Knights Templar were there. We can go down that road all day long. It's not that it's untrue, but there's only one way to find out, and that's to do the archaeology. Great email, Dave. I thank you so much for that. Okay. We're going to stay on this subject. There's a lot here this week on this subject. I think I've been, I've been, uh, uh, you know, we've been leading up to this here on this, this, this kind of blowback here a bit. Um, here's Mark who writes, hey, Dave, been uh, a while since I wrote in. I don't know how much you know about First Nations in Canada, but if you look into it a bit, I can see why the Laginas and company are a bit nervous. Whether right or wrong, First Nations are increasingly claiming influence over what they consider their traditional lands. Recently, the Blueberry River First Nations won a big court case in British Columbia that has far-reaching implications on a lot of existing and proposed developments in the same area they claim as their ancestral lands. It's worth noting these claimed lands are huge swaths of territory, probably larger than some U.S. states. If enough evidence of significant historical Mi'kmaq presence on Oak Island can be found, it is not inconceivable they can lay claim on the island, effectively halting the treasure hunt just like with the blueberry in British Columbia, this, li- this likely to result in years of litigation, the fair chance that Laginas and company losing all control over their property and assets. From a treasure hunt point of view, I can see how it would be desirable not to risk finding any First Nations artifacts, as interesting that otherwise may be. Now, I am not an expert on this, uh, maybe one more knowledgeable fellow Canadian resident can chime in. Maybe you can bring an expert in and do an interview. And then he gives us a couple of links here that I'll, I'll post for you guys to read on the Facebook page. On a different note, I may have mentioned I am an avid scuba diver, uh, sorely located in landlocked Alberta. <laughs> we do, however, have the remnants of a submerged town in one of the nearby lakes. The old wharf looks very much like what they are presenting on the show. Wooden cribs filled with rocks, sea picks attached. They are not super old, however they date from 1912 to 1930-ish. Cheers, Mark. Okay, Mark, it's great to hear from you again. Stop being such a stranger. Uh, I'll post those pictures for everybody to see, too, that they're hearing here, or that that you're talking about here. Okay, here's the thing. I am also, as you admit yourself, not an expert on Canadian First Nations legal cases or their political influences or anything along those lines. But I think you're correct in principle. I mean, let me try saying this again, maybe better than I did before. I absolutely agree the Laginas are there for what they're calling now a treasure hunt, and they are under no obligation whatsoever to spend thousands upon thousands of dollars funding an archaeological dig to uncover First Nations artifacts, but nobody is telling them they have to, right? And I also understand the risks they face in even attempting to do so, but that is not what is presented to us. And that has to matter, right? We are being told by Rick Lagina that the, the treasure is the truth. The treasure is the real history of Oak Island. He says it over and over again, right? He makes it sound like he's not in it for the money. He's in it for the, the purity of the search and finding out what really went on. And he's willing to accept that maybe nothing happened here, you know, that something not treasure related. He says all these things all the time. And at the same time, we are being made to believe that these restrictions are things like shocking and, and, and words like that, right? None of those things at this point seem to be true. Rick doesn't seem interested in just the history, and these regulations and restrictions are not shocking. And I just don't believe that it's my job to find the quote-unquote real reasons for things they're saying and the way this show has presented this stuff to us. I hope I hope I'm making myself clear on that. Uh, Thank you for your pictures, Mark. Fascinating work for sure, man. That's great stuff. And again, don't be a stranger. Now. Uh, with that answer, I just gave Mark in mind, let me turn to Jim in Iowa who writes Hello, Dave. Regarding uh, Marty and Gang's decision to shut down the archaeological activity on the island. I think we are seeing Marty's version of the art of the deal. He's giving notice to CCH that two can play their game, and in doing this, he's trying to force them to make some concessions. As in all deal-making instances, both sides need to come together and hammer out mutually acceptable terms. This may get the CCH to move a tad faster. As for the indigenous people's agenda, they can be stubborn, and when any entity has an agenda, sometimes reason goes by the wayside. Just some thoughts. Uh, Thanks, and keep them coming, Jim and Iowa. Jim, again, you may be right. There's a couple of things I take exception with. You said that um, forcing the CCH to move faster. And then you said that um, the indigenous people's agenda could be stubborn. The fact is, if we go by what we know from what the show's presented, we have absolutely no evidence that any of those things that you just mentioned there are a problem. Make sense? we have no there's no reason to believe that they're not moving fast. There's no reason to believe anyone's being stubborn. No reason to believe any of that. They haven't said that. What they have presented us instead is this fairy tale that they're shocked that this would happen. Because they're not shocked, as I've explained in the last two episodes. They're not shocked. There's no way they could be shocked. I'm not shocked and I'm a podcaster for God's sake, right? Again, I'm not here to make excuses. I'm not here to think of reasons. And also, I think the episode we are about to discuss, and I've said this a couple times now, is going to cast even more doubt on all of this, right? And especially all of what you're saying here, Jim, and, and on Marty's attitude. Thank you so much. Okay, let's keep um, this going here. Um, from Canada, here is Jim in Edmonton. Um, Jim, you finally got a hell of a hockey team up there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Jim writes, Hi, Dave. Thanks for the awesome work each week in putting out the podcast. I especially loved your series on the life of Captain Kidd, who is by far the most interesting character associated with the Oak Island story. I'm a lifelong resident of Canada and an avid consumer of all things Oak Island. I wanted to write to you and share some thoughts about the recent decisions made by Marty and the team regarding the cessation of archaeological work in this particular corner in the southeastern area of the swamp. I see this as a highly politically charged issue for the Oak Island team, not so much because of the CCH in Nova Scotia, but because of the possibility of First Nations presence in that area and the evidence of occupation presented by the pottery. Canada is a sensitive place when it comes to First Nations, and in many regions, the rights of Indigenous title over the traditional territories historically inhabited by First Nations are hotly contested and as yet unresolved after hundreds of years and often bitter and violent disputes. I have no idea of what is in play here, but I think it's a good guess to assume that Marty and Craig, smart business people, would see the presence of indigenous artifacts as a potential to bring forward not only archaeological interest, but also potential land claims over the island. Better to stop digging then to get dragged into an indigenous land claims issue and potential dispute over, or worse, a blockade. I, too, run a large business. I can easily see their point of view when they're faced with government intervention and potential risk of indigenous claims over their island. Uh, no smart business person would want either, I suggest. Thank you so much for your excellent work, Chuck in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Thank you, Chuck. It took a couple of weeks, <laughs> but it seems that uh, this idea that the Laginas are playing some political chess and are justified in this is starting to get more and more popular. You're Chuck, you're probably about what the third person I read who kind of offers the same thing here. Um, I think this week's episode might be uh, you know we're reading this a little late because it might be confusing the issue even more. Uh, But I do understand what you guys are saying here. I really do. I don't think you're wrong. I just I just hate guessing someone's motivation. If that's their motivation, tell us. Simple. You know, if that's your motivation, if you're really not against the idea of stopping work in the swamp, tell us, open up, you know, talk to us about it. All I can go on is what you're presenting. And it sure seems like they're trying to present something in particular, right? Right. I mean, again, thank you so much for this, Um, for all of you guys writing and expressing this point of view. Uh, I'm one guy, you know, with one set of opinions and it really is up to you guys, the listeners to offer the balance and man, you sure did this week. Uh, Great stuff to everybody. All right. Before we get away from this topic, I thought we would, uh, I thought this would be a great email to end this on. Here is Mike who says, after listening to your recent podcast that mentioned indigenous people in Nova Scotia, I was reminded of an online article I had read about their inventions, innovations. I remembered something about the pit digging and oil. Found it, and uh, did sound a bit like the money pit on Oak Island. Although the discovery of oil in the United States is usually credited with Edwin L. Drake, who drilled an oil well in Pennsylvania in 1859, Native Americans were known to have sunk pits into the ground more than 400 years earlier in the Oil Creek Flats of Pennsylvania. These pits, which are 15 to 20 feet deep, were walled with vertical timbers that had been cut with stone axes. Like many historians, J.A. Caldwell, who wrote about the oil pits, assumed the work was done by, quote, a race of people who occupied the country prior to the advance of the Indian tribes. However, the French general, Montcalm, traveling to Fort Duquesne in 1750, said he observed the Seneca and other Iroquoian Indians set fire to the oil that seeped from the ground for ceremonial fires. They also slathered protective lotion, like I guess like petroleum jelly, onto their skin. I realize the money pit is said to have been deeper, but the use of timbers is similar. Also, this was not documented, to my knowledge, in Nova Scotia. That knowledge seems to have been shared among tribes, Mike. And add to that, Mike, the idea of the swamp being used as a clay mine, right? Something archaeologist Aaron Taylor said at the end of, what was it, season six or season seven? It was kind of a cliffhanger thing, right? Um, What I want, and I say it every episode, is the truth behind the Oak Island mystery. I say that, and I don't say something like I want to find the treasure, because I'm not at all convinced that there is a treasure. (laughs) I am much more convinced that there is an untold history here on this island, and that's what I'm looking for. Until a couple of weeks ago, I really thought the Laginas were interested in that too, and Mike, that is just another example of what this untold history might be. I'll put the link Mike sent on Facebook on uh, our Facebook page for you guys to check out. Just go to Facebook, put in Diggin Oak Island in the search bar and give us a like there. Okay. Let's change sub- subjects a bit here and let's go to Scott who writes, "Good morning, Dave. Really loved the show. Was a fan of Oak Island prior to the purchase by the Laginas. Not old enough to have read the original readers digest article, but the but was introduced by other document documentaries in the late in the 1990s and early 2000s." Two things I want to mention one of which was brought up in your last podcast. When speaking of how, how, the, how much the dig has cost Marty, I did some research in the beginning and found that prior to the curse of Oak Island, his net worth was about $10 million. Today's last estimates have it at over 100 million, so he is definitely not hurting when it comes to cash. I do not know where the tenfold of net worth has come from, but I imagine a sizable amount of it is from the History Channel. I would love to tenfold my net worth in 10 years, but I'm not that lucky. Good for him. Takes money to make money. Second, I'm a skeptic like you are. Something that looks too good to be true, it usually is. I'm the biggest cheerleader for them to find anything, whether to be just historical facts or true treasure. But one thing that has bothered me since the beginning, when they are metal detecting and find something on the surface or within a foot of the surface and bring it up and say, wow, this must be a treasure... You have to be very naive to think that over the past 225 years that things have not washed ashore and that the island has not taken a beating from probably hundreds of hurricanes, let alone bad weather itself. So when they find something below, down below 10 feet, then I'm truly intrigued. Nothing has ever really been said after the initial find of the two bones they found, I believe at a depth of over 100 feet. How in the heck did something only inches below the surface how in the heck did something like that get down there? I'm sorry. But any coins, metal, artifacts, cribbing spikes, or anything else that's only inches below the surface could have at one point been washed ashore amongst the hurricanes and storms. I don't know what the maximum height above sea level that the island is, but it cannot be more than maybe 10 or 15 feet. A good hurricane will at one point pour water over the whole island. Who knows what is washed up amongst any storm onto that island? Not saying that, they f- that what they find was not originally put there, but as a skeptic, I often question everything. Thank you for taking the time to read this. Thank you for doing your podcast and keeping us acorns interested in the show. I think if they made a channel of just Oak Island 24-7, I would be stuck at home on the couch watching 24-7. I watch repeated episodes and usually every episode at least twice, if not three times. I cannot get enough updates on the show. I purchased a t-shirt from their website and wear it frequently. And most days somebody comes, comments and says either I love the show or do you really think there is something on the island? Again, appreciate all you do. Take care. Be safe. Sincerely, Scott in Tampa. Scott, it's... Hard not to agree with you. I mentioned last week, too, but I'll mention it here again. I find it amazing that in order to look for a quote-unquote hatch over on lot, lot 4, which they're going to do again in this episode, that you would send in a guy with a metal detector and find leather buckles and metal buttons. I don't really get it. You know, um, I, I, I don't understand what the point is. What 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 is that doing to find you a hatch? What is that doing to find you a uh, 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 treasure 100 feet below? You know, again... I do think they are trying to find the history here. I just think they're being rather selective about that, and that's where I think our problem comes in. Now, let's face it, Gary Drayton found an amazing thing in the Lead Cross a few years back, right? There's no two ways about that. And that has kept him on the island ever since because of that find, really, and his terrific personality, let's face it. Since finding the cross, his time in Oak Island has been, let's let's be honest, largely spent finding ox shoes and cribbing spikes, very little of which ever turns out to be anything conclusive and lasts more than maybe one episode in a scene with Carmen Legg. But I think he's really good at what he does, and he's perfect for television, and he brings a certain expertise to the hunt that I think has been very helpful since the beginning. Go back and watch the first season. You'll see what I mean. But um, you know you're not wrong. If your point is that they spend too much time working on surface finds Uh, When you're supposed to be looking for a treasure that's 100 feet down a hole, uh, you know, that might be, um, what's the right word, Uh, maybe a bit counterintuitive. I, I don't think you're wrong on that. Anyway, thanks again, Scott. Great email. Okay, let's go to our friend Peter who writes, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Guy comes in, says the translated version of Zena Halpern's map got the lines mixed up, so the location of the hatch, actually the hole under the hatch, is farther northwest and closer to the coast, right? Right? Well, then we get a magnetometer survey and talks of anomaly, and Jack is all like, isn't that pink anomaly where the hatch is? Steve even chimes in, yeah, it's almost exactly at the spot, right here in more southeast and halfway between the coastlines. And nobody corrects them. They say lot four, et cetera. And in the last show, Gary and Jack are metal detecting on lot four, where they suspect the hatch to be. Good golly, Miss Molly, that's not where the interpretation, the new interpretation was pointing. They were searching the old misinterpreted location. On the map, that's the location of the valve. Also, looking back at the magnetometer survey, it's tough to see anything resembling a pink or blue dot anomaly in that area. On top of that, who says the hatch has to be metal? Okay, you wouldn't use a wood trap door if you wanted the hatch to last, but why why couldn't it be a big flat stone? Plenty of other big stones seem to be important on the island. So the good news is, not showing up is no big deal. Could be a stone hatch there anyway. The bad news is, man, metal detecting in the wrong area. What a wild goose chase. Oh, looky, we found a button. One has to wonder how many valuable non-metallic clues they've walked right over. Not saying this was some ploy by the producers to fool us for the sake of a story looks like a case of hope overcoming logic. Assuming this analysis is right. By the way, not exactly an original idea. Heard a quick hint or joke about it and checked it out myself re-watching episodes. It's possible there is more, more discussion online that I've missed. Oh, and by the way, the Hal- on the Halpern map, there's something translated as Earth Vaulted Bay. Since maybe that means underground vault, maybe uh, that's really where they should be looking. Enjoy the show. Keep up the great work. Peter from South Jersey. Peter. Uh, Fellow Jersey boy, um, nice to hear from you. Great spot on that mistake there. And you're 100% right. I went back and looked at it. He is right. Um, If you're looking at for the hole under the hatch, as this new interpretation said, then that would absolutely be pointing to something that's now around lot one, two, or three, which is on the other side of the island. Great work, my man. Keep those weather eyes out for more. All right. That's all for the emails and messages. What a great week, you guys. Some really great stuff here. I can't thank you all enough for writing in. If you have any questions you would like me to answer on a future show, just send an email to digginoakisland at gmail.com. All right, it's time now to discuss Season 9, Episode 7 of The Curse of Oak Island Call It All Adds Up. <laughs> it's a tough one. Uh, we only have two places to go, really. The Swamp and Lot 4. Uh, we did see some action over at the Money Pit, but honestly, not much. Um, but just quickly, they're working on a new hole to the southeast of C1. They call it the, they call this the C1 Cluster, but it's starting to seem pretty far away from the location of C1, so I'm not really sure why this is still considered the c1 area it's hard to tell uh the show does a bad job at defining these things Um, they always have so let's just maybe chalk this up to weird graphics i guess uh it seems strange also that they're now now have seem to be sort of randomly poking holes throughout this area into the ground um the holes we've seen up so far have been kind of to the west of c1 And then some to the north, some to the west. And now we have way over here to the southeast. It just seems kind of random to me. But again, um, the producers definitely think that details are boring. um, So we just have to live with this, I guess. Um, They find some wood right around the same area. They've been finding it for most of the season, which is starting to get a little crazy. Right in that 80 to 90 feet down area. And I mentioned last week, um, but the money pit is getting, to me, a bit monotonous, if I'm honest. Um, I'm starting to be, how do I say it? Uh, I guess I'll say I'm ready for Vanessa Lucido and her giant uh, (laughs) 10-foot things that she's going to start driving into the ground and get a much bigger look at this kind of stuff. Anyway, that's really all that there is for the money pit uh, for this episode. So let's go over to lot four and search for the hatch. Um, or whatever it is, the hatch under the something or other. Um, it begins with uh, what is, let's face it, the A team for metal detecting. Gary Drayton and Rick Lagina together. When we see that, we usually are expecting good stuff. Uh, there is some more dubious talk here about regulations um, from the Department of Community, Culture, and Heritage, or what we've been calling the CCH. The narrator explains they are looking for clues so they can file a permit to start tearing up the ground. I just want to. I'm going to say this every week, and I'm going to repeat myself. This has always been the case for them everywhere on the island outside of the Money Pit area. I don't want to go through this all again, but what the narration calls these new rules, all I can say is that I have seen absolutely nothing to make me think any of these rules have been added to or changed. Nothing. This is exactly what anybody would have expected to happen. Anyone watching the show for more than seven episodes, right? Right will know that permitting is a regular part of the business of Oak Island and treasure hunting. And it's always has been, or at least has been, certainly in modern times. Gary finds a big iron spike and later the business end of an ads. Uh, They do a great job of explaining what an ads is. But just to be clear, it's a small kind of axe-type tool with a little curved blade thing in the back end. Let's sort of think of like the back end of a hammer, right? It's that kind of curvature. It's a f- what I would call a finishing tool, you know, um, it's used to kind of shape wood. It's even used to sort of smooth it out and do sort of fancy things with it. It's also an ancient tool. It's been used for literally millennia. I think it goes back to the Stone Age, if I'm not mistaken. So they bring this piece of this ads up to Carmen Legge, who says it's of English origin, and it's a little older than you one would expect. He dates it 1620 to 1740, based on the way it's constructed. Now this is certainly fascinating, since the uh, the item seems to be older than one would expect to find here, right? Older than the days when European settlers were doing work on Oak Island and farming on Oak Island and building on Oak Island. Um, certainly on that side of the island, which has very which has had ha- has had very little such building in those air er- in those years for sure. There weren't any houses or like any barns or anything like that over on that side of the island back then. But it has to be said that if These dates are correct, and there's no reason to believe they're not. As interesting as this find might be, it cannot be connected to the map or to the Knights Templar, I guess, if you're connecting the map to the Knights Templar. The map itself claims to be from centuries before this time frame. So even though it is cool, it is not any proof of the map's authenticity or accuracy. And we're going to have more on that in a second, too. Okay, later we get to the war room meeting with uh, Dr. Krista Broussard. We've seen her many times before. She does chemical analysis on metal objects and things like that. And she's analyzed two artifacts found on lot four last week, I believe, or the week before. I think it was last week. A button and a piece of what I will call scrap metal, right? Because that's all it really looks like here. Now, Dr. Broussard gives us a lot of information about the chemical makeup of this button and and there are two things really in my mind to note here. One is that it is from 1726 to 1776. Now that is before the discovery of the money pit, but the not before the subdivision of land or the purchasing of land on Oak Island. That all happened right in the middle of that time frame, so it doesn't seem all that unusual. Uh, and I don't think those dates are very helpful for anything. Also, it's important to note that Doctor Bressard does not say one word about it being military in origin, nothing. I think the narration kind of hints to that, I think, but the doctor has nothing to say on that subject, so there's no reason to believe that this is military in origin, it's a military button. Next, she talks about this piece of scrap metal. From her analysis, she says it looks like what she calls bell metal, which is exactly what it sounds like, metal used to make bells. Now, as the team points out, it was also used for making cannons, but not just cannons and mostly not used for cannons. It was mostly used for making bells, something very common and likely not very unusual to find here on Oak Island. Broussard also says that the two objects are not chemically related, for whatever that's worth. I just think that's an important little little distinction there. But there's also this one final thing of note in this war room scene that I just wanted to mention. Um, When Dr. Brassard asks the team uh, what they're doing here on Lot 4, why is it of interest, you know, just trying to kind of get some background on where this is found and why they were looking for something, Rick responds by explaining about this Xena Halpern map and the hatch and all that kind of stuff. And in that explanation, he kind of lets a line slip by here, but I just didn't want to, I just couldn't ignore it. About the map, Rick, Rick says they are, quote, in truth, still trying to vet, meaning um, Rick is acknowledging that the map's very authenticity is in question. For those of you who have been doubting me on that subject here over the last few weeks or the last couple of years, here you go, right out of Rick Lagina's own mouth. So let's finish up the podcast over at the swamp. Um, We begin at the war room with a silly meeting about what they can do over there. Now that the big provincial big bad provincial government has stepped in their way. The narrator calls the stoppage in the southeast corner of the swamp a shocking mandate. It's just ridiculous nonsense. Honestly, I'm sorry to say it. It is not shocking. (laughs) This is why I kept saying during the email uh, section here that uh, I'm not in the business of trying to find out what Marty really means, in quotes, right? This is what they're saying. This is what they're presenting to us. And it's just not true. And that's what I know. To make things even kind of more comical, Laird Niven then turns around and tells them that they've essentially been granted permits to pretty much dig wherever they want in the swamp outside of this little corner area where they found the Mi'kmaq pottery. Now, Dan on the Patreon discussion during the broadcast of the, uh, of the episode said, quote, I was thinking they wouldn't be able to do any work in the swamp. Seems like the restrictions are minimal at best, end quote. So it doesn't sound all that shocking after all, huh? Honestly, <laughs> guys, when we go back to those emails that you guys all sent, I mean, the Laginas and the show did not help themselves out this week by making themselves look any better. They really didn't. Their own show is making it sound like they are just out of touch with what's really going on or, or also exaggerating all these claims like crazy because nobody's mandating that they stop anything. They're asking that they take an archaeological look at this find and they've basically given them carte blanche to go at it with a bulldozer only a matter of a few yards away. Now that just doesn't seem like a shocking mandate to me. Now, during all this, they bring up the ship anomaly again, the one I like to call the SS Matty Blake. This is the anomaly found on this sonic scanning thing or seismic scanning thing they did a few years back. It looked like a, a shape of a ship, I guess, if you really sort to kind of squint it and turn your head sideways. And um, this is the anomaly that they dug on um, later with this big sort of barge. They floated a drill rig barge. They floated out into the uh, into the swamp and basically disproved that it's not uh, the anomaly is not wood. Uh, and this, I think, was at the beginning of season seven, if I'm not mistaken, maybe six. Not really sure um, why this thing keeps coming up is a s- constant source of hilarity for me. But anyway, I'm sure we're going to get more of the SS Maddie Blake now that we're digging here and it's all kind of resumed over there. And so I'll mention it again. It's always kind of funny to me. They're bringing a long reach excavator, great piece of equipment, and they start digging away. Again, all this despite the shocking mandates from the CCH, right? And also watching these scenes, it really is, isn't is hard to see why if you were the CCH or if you were the First Nations and you didn't want something destroyed and you want to get a closer look, boy, all you got to do is watch this scene to realize these aren't the guys to do it, <laughs> right? They don't exactly seem to do things with a careful hand here. I mean, if there's other pottery in those in in those buckets in that in that earth that they're digging those big scoops they aren't going to find it not that way uh, while doing this Laird says to Rick I think uh, something like quote I'd love to see a 500 year interpretation of what this looked like meaning that he would love to see a representation a visual representation of how the island has changed most likely due to rising ocean levels over the last few centuries and man, I couldn't agree with you more, Laird. That is something I think I desperately need to see in order to get a real handle on what we're finding over here and why. But it hasn't come yet, and I i don't believe it's coming anytime soon. And I'm also not sure that this information would lend itself well to the treasure theories. So that's the kind of thing we generally don't get. Pull a couple of big flat pieces of wood out. Um, too flat, honestly, to be natural. And then Rick cleans them up, and uh, he's—he's. they're talking about whether or not this is something they want to do some C-14 uh, testing on. We'll see if they actually do. Someone mentions they look like possible pieces of a wharf, and that makes sense to me for sure and kind of turned a light on. Now I have to wonder, can we stop talking about this wood that we've been finding in the swamp for years being a ship and instead talk about it being the remains of a wharf probably destroyed after a storm? and then buried among the rising tides in the swamp muck? Because if you ask me, that idea makes a lot more sense than a ship buried in the swamp. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Digging Oak Island podcast. Shameless plug time. Do another podcast called Sit Downs and Sessions. We haven't produced one in a while, but I want to tell you about this because I'm going to release to you a version of the Christmas Carol over on that feed. Uh, every year at a radio station I work at, WDVR-FM, myself and a few other people on the radio, uh, other on-air uh, personalities, as well as some musicians and some other friends, get together and we do sort of a reading of the Christmas carol. I engineer it. I actually wrote the script that's being used on there too. Uh, and we're going to release that. So if you want sort of an old time radio feel of a Christmas carol, uh, go to sit downs and sessions on Apple podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your usual podcasts, you know, any place you get your usual stuff and, uh, give us a, a follow there, subscribe there, and then you'll get that. It'll come out in the next few days. If you're listening to this, the week of season nine, episode seven. And speaking of WDVR, I'm on there as a DJ every Wednesday from 2 to 5 p.m. You can find me hosting a show about the music of New Orleans from 2 to 4 and a show about tropical music from 4 to 5. Uh, Just go to wdvrfm.org on Wednesdays between 2 and 5 p.m. Eastern Time. You can tell Alexa to turn on WDVR. Or if you're in western New Jersey and eastern Pennsylvania, you can listen on 89.7 FM. And don't forget, you can help keep the show going by becoming a patron if you think the show is worth $5 a month, then head over to patreon.com slash Island to learn more. And if you're enjoying our podcast, please give us a five-star rating on uh, Apple Podcasts wherever you get your shows. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much to everyone who's done that. And if you have any questions or comments you want to send directly to me, you can do so via email, Island at gmail.com. Please keep in mind, if you send me an email or a direct message on social media, I may just answer it here on the podcast. So if you don't want that, just... Let me know, and I'll try my best to answer you through that email. Uh, Don't forget, follow the show on Facebook and Twitter. We're at Digging Oak Island. So until we speak again, I'm Dave McBride. Thank you for listening to Digging Oak Island.